Who knew that the unseen could freeze cities, states, nations, and all? Who knew solitude and six feet apart was no longer a choice, but a way to save lives? The world decided to close down and redecorate its walls. Who knew that we'd be waking up reminding ourselves that we are no longer dreaming? That covering our expressions, staying apart, and grieving is the new normal in the midst of disbelieving. Signs surrounding our homes, screaming, we're all in this together, we're pleading. The losses, the wins, the everlasting quiet leaves a space to ruminate, regroup, or perhaps to riot. It is our choice whether to rejoice in others' victories do we pull open our windows to say thank you to humility? In the empty streets of concrete jungles, can we make our support and gratitude echo in the emptiness as loneliness crumbles? When a force greater than all continents combined is placing a hold on our busy, fast-paced lives, let us find the delicate moments to latch onto and to fight together towards the ultimate breakthrough. That was a spoken word poem, Who Knew, by Octus Productions. And truth be told, who knew? Hello, my awesome fam. Thank you for joining me, Miss J, for another episode of I Won't Pretend Stay Woke. Last week, we had a good old-fashioned talk about getting rid of the mess you created and finding thyself. I hope you found something within that and lit a little bit of a fire under your feet. Um, for me, I felt truly free, freaking liberated because I shared my shortcomings and like really creepy behaviors. Um, as I stated before, I am a work in progress, and uh, hopefully you will, you are too. I'm, I'm hoping, and with that progress comes good news all the time. Uh, we improve a little bit, and we get really happy about that. So continue um, working on self if that's what you want to do, and don't forget therapy really helps. You know. I wanted to start by saying something, and this is like, I don't know, totally left field here, but bear with me if you can. I really would appreciate that. Creating a podcast every week is fucking hard, okay? Just wanna, just wanna, I just want to say that, you know, and that felt good saying. It is really fucking hard creating a podcast every week because I have to search really deep and ask, what would I like to listen to? Eh, I don't know. I listen to a lot of stuff. I listen, uh, I have a very eclectic taste here. However, you know, I'm not about controversy. Uh, I'm not about rehearsing and correcting every word I speak. As you know, most of the time when I do speak, I'm correcting myself as I go. I kind of make fun of myself. Um, and in doing this, it, it puts me in, 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 a, in, a vulnerable, in a vulnerable spot. Oh my God, that sounds so cheesy, vulnerable. You know, that sounds kind of weak, but it does. It puts me in a vulnerable spot where folks sometimes feel this like itch to try and stomp on what I say and how I say it. I'm either too talking too fast. I'm either talking too slow. I wish you could have done this. I wish you could have done that. I wish you could have said it like this. I wish you could have said it like, oh, God damn it. After a while, I'm like, you know something? I take it all in. I really do. I take it all in. 
grateful that you are listening hard enough to throw a bit of shade my way. However, every time I launch an episode, I get those who say, oh, I haven't taken the time to listen. Yo, maybe tomorrow. You know, I'll listen later. So no, I get I get that 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 group of folks too. Um sometimes it's a little defeating because I know that in supporting someone who's doing something, let's say like writing, um creating a product, uh, going uh, opening up a new business, doing a podcast, you know, tomorrow is is especially now in this climate is is pretty much a gift. Tomorrow is a gift if we get there. And I know I don't take for granted. Um, yo, I'm going with the um again. So if, if people start kind of counting how many times I say um, I really would appreciate that. But I, uh, I tend to pretty much listen to anything that is presented to me by someone else. If someone sends something for me to read, I read it. If someone uh, gives me a movie or video to watch, I, 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 I watch it. Maybe I may not love it, and I will say I don't love it, or I will either you know give whatever feedback you're asking for, but I will never stomp on anybody's thunder. You know, I would never... Sorry, I would never... Is it, is it stomp on your thunder? I'll ever... Yeah... I forgot how to say that. Something about thunder. Okay, correct me again. I, I forgot. Senior moment here, okay? Senior moment. Yeah. I'm not going to rain on your parade. How's that? Yeah. I'm not going to rain on your parade. I, I, I'm very supportive. Extremely supportive with everyone. And all I can tell you is, for my listeners out there, you don't you don't have to force yourself to tell me that you listened to my podcast when you didn't. It's perfectly fine. Oh my god, I'm so forgiving you. I'm okay with that. But but just, you know, keep it on the reels. It's perfectly fine. Podcasts are not for everyone, but there is an audience out there. And no, I'm not trying to be that person that's like begging for empathy, not at all. I'm just being real with you. And normally if I have something to say, I say it. And this is how I feel right now and as I mentioned before at this moment in the climate that we live in tomorrow truly is a gift given to us because not everybody quite gets there and but I am praying that we all get there and the next day and the next day and the next day and that we all get to 2021 um, in the best of spirits and the best of health sometimes I wonder you know uh, yeah, I'm going to ask myself. Sometimes I wonder, would it be easier if I talked about media, if I talked about gossip, if I talked about, I did like a Wendy Williams type of shit now, would I gain more listeners? Yeah. Would I? And not. Not going to do it. I'm not going to whore myself to anybody. If I reach 10 out of 40 people... I think I've done my part. If someone tells me they felt good afterwards or had a great laugh for 45 minutes to an hour of one day, Miss J, hey, job well done. I'm going to pat myself on the back. Thank you. I want to send a super, super awesome shout out to my sister group. Our name is 12 Dope Queens. And yes, you little 
freaking Debbie pointed out downers. I know there's a duo out there named Two Dope Queens. Yes, I do. I know them. I did my research, and it's perfectly fine that we are 12 dope queens. Our sisters consist of 12 strong freaking women who support, we mentor each other, we look out for each other, and oh my God, I just love you, my sisters. I really, really do. I totally, totally get you, and every day that we talk, it is so much fun. We have a reason to laugh, and we have a reason to just like, you know, say fuck it pretty much whenever we're tired and I love it I love every minute of it I want to acknowledge a few birthdays Usha happy freaking birthday Afia happy freaking birthday and Sophie happy freaking birthday sending you good vibrations I am so hoping that you had a great one because this is pretty much a belated birthday wish because this happened a few days ago but I just wanted to say yo I hope you had a great one with your family your loved ones your partners your children Ooh. and I'm and and I hope that next year I get to say and send you the same happy wishes totally um shoot I said um again I hope you're counting hmm. this episode is not going to leave you feeling all giddy inside sorry but it will make you hopefully think and put a few things into perspective. The world we live in right now, mm-hmm, let me see how I can word this, may just be this. This is it. This is the world we live in right now. Ask yourselves, on what side of the fence do you fall when you think about this pandemic? This new wave, are we better prepared? How are you preparing? Hmm. Ah, I'm asking you. Is there something that we're not taking into account here? New wave, third wave? Is this the actual wave? Is it going to be another wave? How many waves are we going to have before this is over? If it's ever going to be over? The news is so freaking flooded with when this may be over. I can't even. Um, I, I, oop, oop, there goes the other one. Um, when, is, when this is going to be over, we don't know. Would it ever be over? We don't know. We're hoping it will be. There's doubts. This is this is it for us. Do you believe what you are hearing in the news? How comfortable are you because it has not hit home for you? There's so many people out there that are like, well, it happened to my neighbor, or it happened to the person downstairs, or it happened to the person upstairs, it happened to my pastor, it happened to... Yo, if it hasn't hit home for you, then you need to be a little bit more empathetic because you never know. You never know. We complain about the Karens. We complain about the people we see every day taking chances, not wearing their masks, not social distancing, forgetting to wipe their hands, their asses, all that shit. Lysol is back on the shelves. I've never seen so much Lysol. I actually forgot we had Lysol. You know, we have to keep making do with, with, with Clorox and, you know, you know, all that other stuff. But the shelves are packed again. I go to Target and there's like bottles and bottles and bottles of hand sanitizer and, and, and Lysol. Is that telling me that people are getting a little bit more complacent right now? I don't, I, maybe, um... There was a, there's a time that we didn't even have toilet paper on the shelves. This was just just a few months ago, literally a few months ago. The TP phenomenon is still a mystery to me. 
Paper towels, maybe. But toilet paper shortage? Anyway. Well, oh, how the tides have turned for the last few weeks. You know, within the last few weeks, we have Biden as the new head honcho. We have a woman for vice pres. And get ready for that live eviction proceedings with 45, because that boy is not going to leave La Casa Blanca until the National Guard kicks him out. Yo, it's going to be a beautiful scene once he's out on his ass. Let's see. Um, I also want to talk about, again, you know, I haven't really prepared really hard for this one today. I, I'm kind of just winging it right now because I have so much in my head to say. But I was listening to something recently, okay? Um, and I'm only simply bringing this up because, quite frankly... In 2015, um, the last thing on America's mind was a full-blown pandemic. Really. We all know this. Try to remember what you were doing in 2015. It definitely was not wearing a mask or washing your hands 18 and 15 or 20 times a day. Tonight, I want to start with a TED Talk back in 2015. The speaker was Bill Gates, and the topic was the next outbreak we're not ready just remember this was back in 2015 i'm only going to give you like little little you know bits here and there because it was you know i think it was like over 11 minutes or over 12 minutes so i'm just going to summarize some of the stuff that he said um i'm not going to put his voice out there i'm going to just read it out myself okay um this is what he said if anything kills over 10 million people in the next few decades it's most likely to be a highly infectious virus rather than a war. Not missiles, but microbes. We're not ready for the next epidemic. Let's look at Ebola. We didn't have a group of epidemiologists. You know something? I don't even know how to say the word. I know how to say epidemiologist. Y'all know what I'm saying, okay? I just can't say it. Sorry. Crucify me. Sorry. Okay. We didn't have a group of those people ready to go, okay? Who would have gone, seen what the disease was, seen how far it had spread. The case reports came in on paper, and it was so delayed before they were even put online, and they were extremely inaccurate. We didn't have a medical team to ready to go. We didn't have a way of preparing people. Okay, just remember, 2015, that was five years ago, the failure to prepare could allow the next epidemic to be dramatically more devastating than Ebola. Let's look at the progression of Ebola over the years. Okay? Over that year, which was 2015, about 10,000 people died. And nearly all were in the three West African countries. I hope, you, I hope you remember that when I keep reading. And you're going to go back to that. If you want to revisit what I just said, just like, you know, rewind. Because it was about 10,000 people that died. Reported. Reported. There may have been death. Obviously, there were more. There's three reasons why it didn't spread more. The first is that there were a lot of heroic, heroic work by the health workers. They found the people and they prevented more infections. Okay? That was definitely a plus. Then the second 
is the nature of the virus. Ebola does not spread through the air. And by the time you're contagious, most people are so sick that they're bedridden. And third, it didn't get into many urban areas. Listen to the urban areas. West African countries, three of them, but it didn't get into many urban areas. And that was just luck. If it had gotten into more urban areas, the case numbers would obviously would have been much larger. So, next time, we might not be so lucky. This is all coming from him, okay? He is the one that was doing this TED Talk. He said this. He was so serious. He even brought out a tank. He rolled out a tank onto the stage that he said that back in the days when people were preparing for the nuclear war, everyone had like this giant bin barrel, you know, big giant barrel that was full full of... um. Yeah, it was full of, you know, canned soups and food that they can actually eat while they were all in their lockdown uh, during whatever nuclear war was going on, okay? And when he said next time we might not be so lucky, it it, it really put a little bit of a, a skip to my heart because, again, this was five years ago when he did this TED Talk. And yes, we all know that Bill Gates has the money to be on lockdown forever, never coming out in his entire home, probably looks like a rainforest and he'll never need to go outside. So yeah, we know that. But yeah, we're not the lucky ones. He is. But he still happened to go on out and mention this. You can have a virus where people feel well enough while they're infectious that they can get on planes, they can go to the market. You see what's going on here? Do you realize that everything he said is exactly what's going on right now? Yeah. The source of the virus could be a natural epidemic like Ebola, or it could be bioterrorism. So there are things that would literally make things a thousand times worse. A thousand times worse. Did we really think it would be more than a thousand times worse? No, because we are so self-absorbed here in America sometimes that we think that nothing's going to touch us. Everything we hear is like, oh, it was over there. Oh, it was in China. Oh, it was in Korea. We don't even think about ourselves. But guess what? It is here. And we are worse than any other country right now. Truly. In fact, to go a little further, Let's look at the model of the virus that spread in the air like the Spanish flu, which this was back in 1918. Yeah. So here's what happened. Here's what would happen. It would spread throughout the world very, very quickly. And you can see over 30 million people that died from that epidemic. This was back then. That's, that's, that's how it panned out. This is a serious problem. We should be concerned. Now... The people in the audience during this TED Talk, uh, look it up, look it up online, you know, look it up online and watch it on YouTube. They're like sitting back, relaxed, just like, yeah, whatever, keep talking. You ain't going to be talking for that many minutes. And they just were not taking this very seriously. They didn't even talk about this TED Talk. As a matter of fact, we barely heard about this TED Talk until now, when it's like all over the place. So I think that this should absolutely be a priority. It wasn't. 
they made us believe well after he did his TED talk and no one talked about it it was like there's no need to panic we don't we don't have to hoard cans of spaghetti or go down to into a basement uh but we need to get this going we you know we need to we need to we didn't take it seriously it was just like eh you know hey you know conspiracy theory or you know uh, paranoid it was paranoid but we but because now sadly we don't have time on our side anymore we don't have it i don't know why we thought we did back then but we don't have time on our side we don't have the time to say let's let's try to figure it out slowly and see how this pans out if there's one positive thing that that can come out of the Ebola epidemic is that it can serve as an early warning a wake-up call to get ready if we had followed it if we had started then but nobody did nope nobody did again people this was 2015 2015 it wasn't that long ago okay now remember SARS is it I'm sure everybody remembers SARS right severe acute respiratory syndrome it was a bad viral disease that in 2003 came out of southern China I hope you guys remember that Uh, it killed people in Toronto Singapore and a few other cities now a little more than 8,000 people were infected of whom about 10% died and then the outbreak poof ended I don't even think half of y'all remember what SARS even is. You know, maybe watching movies and stuff, and you're like, oh, yeah, SARS, we remember that. But I don't, rem- I don't think anybody really paid it any much mind. Why? Because it didn't happen to us, right? The closest to us was Toronto. SARS touched the U.S. very gently, very, very gently, producing 27, 27 I believe, probable cases and no death most likely for reasons amounting to luck again now the first reported u.s case involved a 30 a 35 year old man who had visited um he visited relatives in wuhan before returning to the seattle area on january 15th lately the news had broken of two other uh cases right after that one in Santa Clarita County, California, that suggests that the virus may have been present in the U.S. way before January 15th. Mind you, both of those patients died in February. This is really the creepy part. My youngest daughter, Zoe, I still remember, because we talk about this all the time, she has sent the family like this mass text one evening talking about yo there is like a virus killing people and it's it's here it's coming here and we're like oh my god zoe shut up like whatever stop being so paranoid go to sleep read a book i don't know go listen to k-pop we we really laughed it off sadly we did but this was she told us about this before Christmas as a matter of fact this was before Christmas of 2019 and we brushed her off Uh, a lesson to to us older people don't brush off what young people say sometimes they're right she was right and you know I still have the text to prove it she was right 
Now, on March 30th of 2020, 45 said, hey, nobody had any idea, right? That's, that's what our president said. Yeah, no idea about this, right? So you're asking yourself, Ms. J, why, 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 like, why this history lesson? Why, why are we getting this? Welp, this is why. We are in this pandemic, not only knee deep, but neck deep, with very little breathing room. And I really do mean very, very little breathing room. Yeah, my friends, we need to begin looking at our present situation and future with uh, cleaner and clearer lenses. Things are unfolding and we need to be at least one step ahead. I surely hope that you are not waiting for the new Casablanca troop to save us in any way. I'm just saying. Who knows what shenanigans these Democrats have up their sleeves? I, 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 I personally have like zero faith in them, at, of course, but uh, can't be any worse than what we have right now. Okay, so I know that sounds bad, but it is what it is. I'm not an alarmist. Just want to tell you that, guys, I'm not an, adar- an alarmist. And even though I double dutch in and out of conspiracy theories, I know enough to know that shit is getting critical. For the first, for the, sorry, sorry, for the select group, I'm sorry, I say the first group, it's not a first group, a select group that have the luxury, I'm including myself, okay, of working from home, we have a kind of, like, false confidence, if, you know, if I say so, because we, we only go out when it's absolutely necessary, we order Grubhub and DoorDash, and, and somewhere in, in the creases of our minds, we're secretly rejoicing because we don't we don't have to go outside. We are working from home. You know, we dress up from the waist up at work, pretty much. And you know you guys do. But you but we better not get too comfortable. Okay? Just just I'm I know I am not gonna get too comfortable with this. We don't even know what's what's but we don't know what's happening from one day to another. So yeah, we work remote from home and yeah, we're a little we're chilling. But don't, 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 don't rest on your laurels. Just saying. This pandemic is hitting a lot of vulnerable, low-income communities the hardest. Including a lot of young people. And when I say a lot of young people, I'm only saying that these are the young people who um, are in the age group of, let's say, you know, like 20 to 25, 26. It's hitting this group the hardest because... They are technically the most selfish group in the generation. Sorry to say millennials, but they are really, really selfish. They believe that everything comes to them easy. Life is great. They can get to go out or they used to go out. Hopefully they're not doing that still. Um, You know, parents were being very lenient. Hey, go to school. As long as you go to school, we got your back. You can stay here, live here until you grow gray hairs. So you know something? They didn't plan. Um, these kids are, you know, I can honestly say, uh, not kids, these are young, young adults, are not prepared for the real world. And now they're even less prepared for the world that we live in right now. They don't know what to do. They, they are searching for work and they're settling for menial work because they don't know whether they're, they're really, really qualified to do some of the work that is asking for experience out there. You know, they really don't know. They don't know what they're capable of doing. They have never experienced hard life. 
Not that you always have to experience hard life, but damn, sometimes you got to get knocked down really low in order to get back up and learn from those eras. Most of these young people have zero eras on their resume. Zero. They don't know. They don't know. Uh, Women. Women are highly, highly being affected right now by this pandemic. And how can they not be? Um, A lot of these women, you know, stayed home with their kids. They were, you know, they were comfortable. They were home. And a lot of them, their husbands lost their jobs. Now they have had to take the reins and, and get jobs whether it's working as health home aides, whether it's working at restaurants, like, you know, I'm so with well, fast food. Um, and a lot of them are not qualified to do, let's say, remote work from home for bigger companies because they're not technically savvy. Not that they don't want to be technically savvy, they just haven't had the opportunities. Then we hit minorities. Oh, my God. Uh, and we're we're technically the majority. But, you know, as people call minorities, what about folks that have been on public assistance for, let's say, you know, the five-year cap? They've been on public assistance. They've been made to go out to either work search or uh, uh, get into a trade school or try to get their GED. None of these resources are available for them right now because they can't go out to do the work search. They can't go out to... Um, take those classes. They can go out to become a, to learn to become a health home aide or a nurse's assistant or a dental assistant or any of that. They can't do that because these schools are technically closed. They can't do it. They they're forced to stay home and and then when they stay home and this is this is kind of like the twist because they're because they're receiving social services. The whole nine yards, they're receiving like the whole kit and caboodle from the rent to the food to the to to the clothing to whatever. They're receiving all of this money. There wasn't really this major push to to get a job. There wasn't this because it was like, okay, you know, hey, I'll just take a take a course and and for six months I'll get everything paid for and I just chill. There is no more chilling points here. There are none because now. They can't take their kids to school or daycare because these places are closed. So they're home in what they thought would be free time for them to do what they want to do. But they can't because now they're home with the kids. And a lot of these parents don't have the basic language to help their children. Um, it's just a clusterfuck. It really, really is. And, um, and again, they're being hit the hardest. Women, young people, minorities, low-income households. Do you really think that in a household that has only one income coming in and maybe three kids, one a teenager, maybe two small ones and probably a baby on the way, do you really think they're going to be able to survive during this pandemic when most landlords right now, even though there was a moratorium, they're trying to kick them out? Yeah, the courts are backed up. But guess what? These landlords are still trying to kick these folks out and they don't really care where they go. They don't care. They just want them out of the apartments because there are other people looking for apartments who can't afford it and they're trying to get out of the city. So it's again, major clusterfuck. You do the math. You know what's going on or I hope you do. Several factors are driving this. Okay. From what I see, 
And you know, sometimes I do have the ability to sound really smart, so <laughs> I'm gonna exercise the right to do that right now. First, the ability to quarantine and work remotely is somewhat correlated to wealth. You, you do know that, right? Remember like back in the 80s, the 90s, even the early 2000s, people that worked from home, we were like, oh man, you guys got it made. You get to sit at home, work from home, tip, 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 tapping on your computers, walking around the house with, you know, with your slippers, drinking coffee, talking on your Blackberry and all that other shit to, you know, the company and be like, I work from home. Yeah, and we were so fucking jealous because we had to go out and we had to get on that subway and we had to get on that bus and we would have to be at work at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock and we had to be home by 6 to cook dinner and and do a whole bunch of shit. And people that were working from home, yo, I mean, shit, they were the talk of the town. They lived, the, They were living the life. And in our minds, they were making that money. Yes, they were. They were making that money. We didn't know any better. So if you were rich, wealthy, or remotely wealthy, you got to live the experience. Um, Welp, like I always say, that didn't pan out that well now, did it? Because pretty much everybody's working from home now. Yeah, doesn't really matter what you're doing. If anything that has to do with customer service related, customer experience, yep, you're working from home. And since I am by no means wealthy, my experience has driven me to work from home because I have the gift for gab. Really, most of us do. The people that work from home have the gift for gab. It requires a lot of talking and sometimes it requires us to invest more time than we really want. It can be a, it can be a, a, a tad tedious sometimes. I'm grateful, but yeah, there are days. So for you guys that work from home, you know what I'm talking about. Right now, there are college graduates that are making less than what some call the jack of all trades are making. The hustlers, the ones that are getting the goods, um, getting the good paying jobs due to life experience and the ability to wear many hats. That, That was a particular generation. And I must say, I am part of that generation. I can pretty much do anything that I set my mind to do. Do I have to have a college degree to do this? Absolutely not. Um, does it, A college degree is not going to get you through a phone or a Zoom interview. It really isn't. You can have the best grades in school, and guess what? If you cannot hold a conversation with a recruiter or with, the, with, with HR or with an interview over the phone, which, mind you, is really hard to do because they can't see your facial expression, so you're going to have to be really animated during those interviews. If you don't have the sass to do that, you will never get to the point where you want to get in life, even if it is working remote, because you don't have the savvy, nor do you have anyone mentoring you to get that savvy. That's unfortunate. It really is. I just hope that there is some program out there available. You know, for all I know, I may be the one creating that program that can assist younger people, younger adults on how to get through a phone interview, how to get through that type of vetting. Because if you can get through to that, you'll be you you'll be all right. You just have to reach out for the help, but you'll be all right. Um you know, let's go into public transportation, okay? Yeah, how trivial is that? It's not that trivial. Let's go into public transportation. 
What about those folks that are driving the trains and the buses? Yeah, you do know that buses and trains are no longer full to capacity, right? Remember when we used to cram ourselves into the A train or the 6 train? Remember how we were like literally knocking people over to get on the bus? Yo, I'm speaking for myself, but if there are more than 10 people at any given car on the train, I I wait for the next one. It's that simple. Or I'll just jump on a lift because I'm not taking public transportation, just not doing it. I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe doing it. Um, we have no control about what's going in those confined spaces. And they're, and for lower income groups, unfortunately, they have even fewer alternatives to this. And not everyone can afford to jump on a lift every day if they have to go to work. Higher income people can hold. They can hold up. They can actually hold up with no income for a longer period of time. We all know this. Doesn't you you don't need to be you don't need to be like like freaking you know book smart to know that higher income folks yeah they can be hold at home they can hold off a little longer they're good they're good if they can take vacations for two and three weeks or a month that same money keeps them hold up at home that's that's just the way it is whereas poor families or uh, I hate to, I hate to, you know, when you say poor families, that's kind of like a fine line, but lower income families, that sounds a little better, and it is a little better because it's more realistic, have little to zero savings, and one day's pay, one day's pay that they miss can be the difference between eating and paying rent, quite frankly, and I'm, and, and I'm sure we've, we've all experienced that at one time or the other, and if you haven't at any point in your life, lucky you. Lucky you, and I hope you never have to go through that because let me tell you something. No feeling can be more defeating than not knowing how to pay your rent and not knowing what you're going to have to dinner tomorrow. That's all I can say. There is a revolving door right now of blue-collar jobs requiring the physical presence of the employee. Okay? Um, Let's think Amazon. Think Target. Uh, every supermarket USA, uh, fast food, you know, well, you know, you know, these folks have, they have returned to work despite heightened risks. Okay. They, despite all of this pandemic talk, despite lockdown, they have to return to work. They got it. They got to trek out there. Doesn't matter what anybody says to them. They're going to be out there because they need to work. And in some areas, the majority of low-income workers also, you know, they also lack access to basic health care. So they have to work in order to be able to, you know, um, get into that, into that circle of moderate income, low income, um, receiving uh, reduced health care benefits in order to, to have health care. As this, you know, as this virus spreads and even without the virus, you know, if you have like zero income and you end up getting on Medicaid, your resources are very limited. You know, it's not like it used to be back then when uh, people can get a fucking breast lift and get uh, plastic surgery on Medicaid. It doesn't work like that anymore. It doesn't work like that. Uh, yeah, it, it just doesn't. You get just the basics, just the basics, if you're lucky. Uh, but you will be online and you'll be sitting down in an office for a very long time just to get any proper medical care. And forget about the emergency room. <laughs> forget about that altogether. In some, you know, in 
riddle me this please just riddle me this do you really think that a huge percentage of people are quarantining right now really you really think that are you fooling yourself into thinking that or you just know you just know right that they're not do you believe do you honestly believe that folks who were told to quarantine are doing so hmm yeah okay whatever it might even be you who I'm talking to so are you quarantining because you were told to and you were exposed to someone and are you doing that or are you going out there to work regardless of what they tell you because you're not going to really tell your employer anything some people rather go to work despite not feeling well and because not all employers are taking temperatures and 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 even if they are not all symptoms include a fever okay just read up on asymptomatic patients look it up and see see what you see there are hundreds of people out in the street that are asymptomatic they just wear their mask they go they they go to Costco's they're fine and but they're carrying the virus and they're spreading it and they and, and they don't care they don't care okay they just don't care so what do you do you hold up at home even more and you become even more hyper hypersensitive of the people around you and hyper aware because it is it's, it's really getting scary room you know I'm oh, sorry room did I really just say room yeah from what I've gathered when someone at work is reported to have the virus okay anyone who came in contact with that person is sent home to get tested right that's that's kind of like the routine right now so if it comes back negative you can choose to self-quarantine uh, because obviously you're negative you come back with the result you can choose to self-quarantine are you gonna get paid absolutely not no you're not because you're choosing to self-quarantine no amount of letters from any medical organization or from any city agency is going to force that employer to pay you for 14 days of quarantining or even 10 days of isolation. If you are positive, most jobs will have you exhaust your sick and personal days before you can even apply for family leave. And and let's not even go through the red tape of that process, okay? That alone is daunting and that alone you just don't want to be bothered. You really don't. You'd rather just cut the, cut your losses and, and eat cup of noodles for like 10 days because you ain't going to get shit. By the time you get through all that, through all those voicemails, your 10 days are up or your 14 days are up. And sadly, with our non-English community, their shit is even worse because they can't even navigate through all the numbers and resources that are available to them. If they, But if they only had like language resources from the start that would be fine you know but they don't have it when they pick up that phone and they try to call a particular service when they say you know hey dial one for english dial two for spanish when they dial two for spanish they're on eternal hold when they dial one for english they get transferred to another line because they don't know that they can't talk english so they're put on hold again and then you know the deal it's a vicious circle so it's it's wow this outreach, supposed this outreach thing, is slim pickings in this community. And it's all about the Benjamins. 
That sounds so cliche, but it really is all about the Benjamins. It really is. You have the money, you get the attention. You don't have the money, you don't get the attention. That is that is the sad sad reality of the life that we live in. You might cringe just a little when I say this, okay? But truth be told, if you're a part of a Jewish community, not only do you have all the resources, and I really do mean all the resources. They even have a choice to not give a flying fuck about wearing a mask. Yeah, I'm sure you heard in the news not too long ago how they did a mask burning somewhere out there in Brooklyn, did a little mask burning. They were walking around spitting at people in the street. Why would you do that? What level of disrespect would you spit at people and think it's okay and get away with it? Oh, no, I don't even want to imagine what that if that would happen to me, you know. Um, congregating and con- they 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 go they they congregate in in a lot of like big spaces, have weddings and all this stuff. And and you know something, they don't even get the courtesy of a cop visit. They really don't. The cops just pass on by, and be like, "Yo, psh, Mazel Tov, that's it, pretty much, you're done." That's what's happening. You think not? You don't have to read the newspapers or. They even have newspapers anymore. Yeah, but you don't even have to watch the news to know this. All you have to do is just throw on your mask, put on a good helmet, put on some gloves, go out to Brooklyn and see how that, how that works out. And you'll see what I'm talking about. It's in your face all the time. And they have no shame about it. Why should they? Why should they? You know, they don't even get checked on by community outreach anymore. Very rare. You know why? Because they're not opening their doors to people and they won't. They don't think they have to. They will deal with their community on their own. You, there's no community outreach during their holidays or religious observations, which is every week. So therefore, you know something? Hell, this is what I say. If they don't want to be tested or treated, send that cavalry of, of community outreach to neighborhoods who really want it, who really need it. It's not rocket science here. Hmm. Okay, moving on to my next point. I've exhausted that one, and I'm exhausted talking about it. Let's look at how these last few months have been de- we've been dealing with police brutality, okay? Okay, I'm going to let you sit on that for just a minute. Sit on it, sit on it, sit on it, think about it. Okay, Black Lives Matter. Sustained protest against systematic racism. That is sweeping across most states, right? And solidarity protests have risen in like so many countries. These issues are not unfamiliar to us neither are they new they're not new historically speaking this has been going on forever however why have the latest instances of police brutality inspired such a widespread response when all these incidents uh, failed to do so in the past okay letting you think again letting you think again Uh, you want the answer here we go do you think it's no coincidence? Do you think it's a coincidence that this is happening during the COVID-19 pandemic? People are home now. People are home now. And what do people do when they're home? Aside from watching Netflix, playing videos, watching Hulu, you know, and streaming movies. Yeah, when they're done with all of that, the background noise is the news. That's their background noise. They turn on their TV and they listen to the news all day. And and some of them even pay attention to the news. And this has increased awareness of the incidents. 
Because every time you switch a channel, boom, there goes the news. And they all do it at the same time. Because if you notice, when you watch the news and you change the channel, when one is on commercial, the other one is on commercial. And they all start at the same time, talking about the same shit at the exact same time. So it is embedded in our heads. It's just like this, like this, like this, uh, like hamster wheel in our heads. Yada, 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 increased awareness. The pandemic has taken a disproportionate toll on minorities and the marginalized. That is it, right? And I know you agree with me. (laughs) Some big words for me at this point because, you know, I tend to like jump over my words, but I actually said the word right, disproportionate. The growing awareness of these discrepancies, I believe, may have primed a broader group of people to be a little bit more sensitive to these social impacts. You know, there were a lot of people out there who definitely were not part of a protest years ago or even two years ago, even three years ago. But now they got the time to do signs, to do banners, to do sit-ins, to do kumbayas, to even riot, right? Not only are people already thinking, not only are they only thinking about systemic reset, they're also like literally more inclined to think about correcting systemic racism. I have heard so many, um, uh, I guess, news reports on streaming online and um, on YouTube and on different platforms, how everybody's about correcting systemic racism. That, that's, like the, that's like the new trend right now. Will it stay that way? I don't know. Do I, would I like it to stay that way? Absolutely. Would I like people to stay focused on, on, on Black Lives Matter? Absolutely. I just hope they do. There is more time available to those who are passionate about the cause to dedicate time and organized movement than any other time in history. Sadly, some of these movements come, with a, come at a time, and you know it's right, when people are tapped out of patience. Because if every time and every day you hear that, yo, my brother got shot, my sister got shot, my father got shot, minorities are getting stomped on, getting arrested, getting, people just, they've had it. They've had it. They have absolutely had it. They're tapped out of patience. Folks are angry and rightly so. Rightly so, because goddamn it, I'm angry too. COVID-19 will drive residents of, of like large cities to move to lower populated density cities like suburbs right so right now um i i believe i must have heard a few times not that many um and i don't know exactly what the which what the numbers are that a lot of people are moving out of manhattan a lot of people are moving out of like the bigger cities in um in different states and they're moving to like more remote places like suburbs and smaller areas because in a lot of them because they work remote, it'll make moving even easier. So, and it'll even be easier because commuting will no longer be a factor because you're staying home. So, obviously, public transportation has become less attractive to everybody. I mean, who wants to get on the bus? Not many people. You're barely getting into your car. The pandemic's impact on like places like restaurants, movie theaters, retail stores will not be that influence 
of why people have to move to larger cities. Um, uh, I guess I guess it was in the early nineties, and I'm always going back to the early nineties. I don't know because that must have been like my favorite decade. But the early nineties, a lot of people, let's say, were moving to Atlanta. Remember the the big Atlanta wave? Everybody was moving to Atlanta. Half of those people are back here again. <laughs> They're back, but a lot of people moved to Atlanta. That was like the 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 new oasis that was like yo we gotta do this atlanta's the shit half of these people lived in their cars half the time because they couldn't make it in atlanta um but the smaller towns in atlanta are the ones where people are moving in now because it's safer why because houses are more spread apart um there's not a large group of people congregating in different places and and quite frankly I'm almost I'm almost inclined to do the same thing yeah yeah pretty much so yeah but I'll leave it at that that's another conversation um you know I personally welcome living somewhere in port bubble fuck away from the hordes of people in traffic and and all these and, and all these shifts will without a doubt affect the main thing taxes education and even urban planning why urban planning people are moving people are not wasting money on living in a in beautiful luxury apartments and do you think that they're gonna these these builders are gonna have a light bulb moment and say let's build affordable housing no they're not no they're not do you hear somebody saying let's build affordable housing anywhere yeah, I hear crickets too on my side too. I do. I hear crickets. A lot of crickets. Yeah. Real world interactions. Okay, that's where we're at now. Real world interactions. What about building a trusting long-term relationship? <laughs> that fucking sucks high balls around this time of the pandemic. Try meeting someone online. Online dating? Anybody? Anybody? Online dating? If you thought they were full of shit before, think now. You will need to pay real special attention to the people who you're talking to or communicating with. Going out and hooking up is just plain old stupid. If you're going to risk your life for a piece of ass, yo, that's on you. Yo, good luck with that. But no judgment from me. Remember last week's podcast? Mom's the word from me. No judgment. Mm-mm-mm. Not being judgy. Do you, boo boo? So, uh, you know, when it comes down to like online dating, I can almost imagine them saying, I'm so busy. I have no time to commit to anyone or anything. Total bullshit. You got nothing but time. I got nothing but time for you, baby. Yeah, I got nothing but time. I can't sing for shit, but you know what I mean. Yep. Everything from dating, marriage, to the integration of like new teams in a workplace, that is going to be harder and more painful than root canal. Best believe. Yes, yes, yes. It's going to be really hard. If you ever had root canal, you know what I mean. What about social networking? All those little networking, you know, you know, little events people had like every month. I, I used to love those, by the way. Um, what about clubbing? Yo, I miss my freedom parties. Yes, I do. Crowded bars? Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Nope, not no touching elbows at a bar. New Year's Eve at Times Square. Uh, start looking at past videos because that's about all you're gonna get. Rockefeller tree gazing, ice skating, 
all a no-go. And for the ones that want to go out there and do this, again, good luck with that. Now I'm going to get to a more serious topic, okay? Um, mental health. That's always like, that's always like a huge, shine, you know, shining spotlight. It's like, right now, it's like the new pink elephant in the room, okay? Or purple elephant, because, you know, pink is the old elephant. Let's say purple. COVID is taking a toll on mental health. Social isolation. Financial and healthcare worries. Hot damn. The, with, the, with the strain of a, just adapting to remote working and homeschooling, it's going to be such a long-term impact that there's going to be a lot of PTSDing out there. There really, really is. And there's no uh, swerving your way around that one. The new focus on mental illness is actually surrounded, you know, by, by, by social media. Go on YouTube, go on Facebook, and read all these confessionals that people have like all day now time to write like these long soliloquies about how they're feeling and, and what they're not feeling and how, they're, how they're, they're lonely and how they're crying and how nobody listens to them. It, it, it's endless. It is freaking endless. Between the videos and the long, long letters on Facebook, you just, you just stop. Um, there are so many online Zoom group off, groups offering support. They're all offering support. Sometimes I tend to question those groups because I think sometimes there's some people that just like to be in the midst of it all. They like kind of they kind of get off on listening to other people's, um, you know, tragedies and and sufferings. They they kind of like gluttons for that. So I kind of question those support groups online. So if you're looking for a support group online, really research that group because it gets a little insidious. You know, this may, however, let me just uh, say this, because now there is a, f- a focus, a more of a little bit more of a focus on mental illness, it, it can reduce the original stigma and it can maybe possibly increase support services. You know, you just have to get a year, you'll probably just have to like wait for a year on a wait list, you know or have enough money or insurance to do any type of FaceTime therapy, but at least you're, you you got an appointment, you know? Um, and hopefully if you do have insurance, you'll have a therapist who's kind enough to do FaceTime with you. Still charge you, but you'll still be able to see the person's face, okay? Um, but guess who's still suffering? Guess who still ends up suffering and through all this? Yep, you got it. Dare I say no more? You already know where I'm going with that. Yes, the disadvantaged. See if they're going to get a nice therapist to do FaceTime with them at any time soon. Get on that list. I say, plan for the unthinkable. That's what I say. As a matter of fact, I urge you, plan for the unthinkable, okay? And I don't mean hoarding toilet paper, Lysol, and bottled water. What I do is, what I say is rather than to act too quickly... Just keep monitoring the situation you're currently in. Yo, it's not that difficult. Be flexible, but you better move fast. 
because again shit is changing every day to day to day it's just changing i mean one minute is one thing then tomorrow is something else and we just don't know we just don't know you know i'm a half a century old so i i, I need you to also be mindful of the more vulnerable group which i'm quickly approaching you know the elderly the elderly not just the physical aspect of it but just imagine being stuck at home you know how that affects one's mental and emotional status just think about that we're not giving much thought to that lately you know why because some of us you know some of the young folks have parents that are like me that are really active parents you know we haven't showed our are you know are trickling bones yet you know we're not walking around hunched over we're we're, we're a strong group yes we are we're a strong group um but there's another group out there who's not that strong you know we can't we can't no longer visit the lonely who are at home you know we can no longer just pop into the house and see how they're doing we can't um just visit a senior citizen home to see how our families are doing you know um as a matter of fact senior centers used to be the great escape right um, for some of some of the elderly, they would get ready every day, and that was like the highlight of their day, even in the summer. Let's go to the to the senior centers and chill out and do some activities and talk to Martha and Beth and Lou and all that. You know what I mean? They don't have that anymore. They don't, and you know they don't. Um, you know, COVID has also highlighted um, quite a glaring weakness in healthcare practices for the elderly. You know. Um, senior home caring places are so seriously neglected right now. It's not even funny. It wasn't even meant to be funny, but they they they're just so neglected right now. They're they're dealing with a skeleton crew because there are no activities, there are no outings, there is no more playing cards or playing chess and taking walks outside just because. There is no more like um you know existing. Home care was difficult to afford before and and obtain before the pandemic. Now it's even more complicated in the current climate because there are not enough people out there who are actually trying to work with senior citizens at home or in or at a or at a, a nursing home or at a senior citizen's home. They don't they don't want to. They're afraid. They're People are deathly afraid of going to these places to work because it's 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 one of those type of jobs that it is a touchy feely job it is a very um a very physical job and if you are one of those people that is always like um i guess scared of sickness or can't does not do very well with you know bedpans and stuff. Yo, you're not going to be able to work in this stuff. You won't. Even if you need the job, you just don't want to. You know, the elderly, disabled, and the pre-pandemic homebound, they were already isolated. Come on, man. You know that. They were already isolated. For instance, you know, I'm going to give you an example. You know, what about that 85-year-old woman who relied on her adult daughter to, you know, just to get groceries or to help her shower several times a week. What about, what about that lady? And now during COVID, someone like this woman is going to be exposed just by nature of her everyday life. She's going to be exposed to the COVID. 
because there's no one to get her groceries. There's no one to help her do anything. You know, that's neglect, serious, ne serious neglect. And that is now they have to rely on a person or a home health aide who probably, probably doesn't care about them. Not that all home health, I'm not even saying that home health aides are bad because I think they're great. I think it's a, it's a, it's a hell of a job. And it's a hell of, that's one of the best essential workers right now out there that we need. But not all of them are going to assist to help them with the basics of simple survival. They're going to go in, they're going to do their job, do just the basics, and leave. That's it. So that's how the ball runs right now. You know, lucky are the ones who have aides who have been with them for a while and know them very well because imagine being an elderly individual or a disabled individual who has to meet a new person pretty much every other day or what about the ones who don't even have someone sent to their home because they can't find anyone and they have to depend on self and risk falling and getting hurt burning themselves burning their house all of that so, you know, do we need to be concerned? Yes, we do. We really need to be concerned. Mel many elderly people, they don't even have access to social media. And that can be such an important tool. Just, just, just an important tool just on simply combating loneliness and connecting with loved ones. You know, the biggest joy in my life is doing FaceTime with my granddaughter because I can't go see her, I can't be with her. So when we do FaceTime, yo, that, it, it just makes my day. So imagine how that would be for a senior citizen or someone who's disabled who can pick up the phone and do FaceTime with their loved ones and just talk and see their faces and expressions every day, okay? Just think about that. I know we do it, um, but we take for granted that everybody does that too and they don't, they really don't. There are a lot of senior citizens right now who have just learned to use FaceTime, who have just learned to use WhatsApp. They just learned. Out of necessity, they have learned. These populations have less reasons than ever to leave their house and interact with others. They, they, it's such, can you imagine such isolation how that can escalate to more health problems. Can you, can you imagine that? And then you're increasing fear and you're increasing paranoia and emotional suffering. You know, we're going to get to that age one day and, and let's hope that we are not in that position where we're isolated and we're alone and we have no one to depend on because no one can get to us. You know, I don't wish that upon anybody. The difficulty of maintaining an at-home care service is really, really hard right now. Services like um, uh, personal care, okay, just personal care, personal everyday care, not to mention grocery shopping, light housekeeping. That is going to become a very expensive thing coming, coming in the future, almost a luxury. Because now people know that it's a need. 
It's not a want, it's a need, it's a necessity. And these services are going to start costing a lot of money. And if you're not one of the people that can afford it, you better hope, you better hope that you're not the one that's going to need it. So, you know, you know, I've touched base on so much today. And, and quite frankly, before I sign off, yeah, I got a couple of more things to say. I do. So bear with me. I'm going to just say this. And I know the younger generation may be like, yo, Miss J, bullshit. Yeah, we know ourselves. We ain't like that. But I'm going to just say this. Be prepared. Be prepared to expect a whole generation of low expectations. Low expectation young people. Low expectation young adults. Remote school is not something America was waiting for. I can tell you that. I surely wasn't. I'm actually quite fortunate and feel happy that my daughter graduated from high school right before the pandemic hit. Really, I, I, I mean, before it got really bad. She only ended up going, going to school remotely for probably, I believe, six weeks. And then she graduated. So, and that alone was a challenge. So, what about for parents between the hours of 8 a.m. and 3.30 p.m.? When that used to be, for parents who stayed home, considered bliss. Yo, they're out of their house. They won't be back till at least 4 o'clock. So on my day off, I'm going to sleep. That routine was epic. Epic. Parents that homeschooled their kids produced spelling bee prodigies. That's what we thought. Okay? So if you were a parent who homeschooled your kid and didn't send your kids to a regular school, those kids were just known to just know how to do spelling bees because that was kind of like a stigma. I don't know. That's, that was just a, a, a sad, sad stereotype, but that's how I thought. And you know something? Sometimes we were like, oh, I can tell that kid was homeschooled. Uh, that's kind of unfair to say, but yeah, we kind of can be like, yo, I can tell that kid was homeschooled for whatever reasons. We just knew. So now these kids that were never homeschooled before are staring at a screen all day. They're staring at a computer all day. And not because they want to, but because they have to. They have no outside or social interaction. Nothing. We're producing a whole bunch of monitor zombies. You throw, you know, you throw the parents, just throw the parents in, the ones that have to work outside of the home. The ones who can't work remote. You know, how inclined are these parents going to be when they get home to go over homework, remote homework, and, and don't even ask for printed homework because a lot of people don't have a printer. So it's just a matter of looking at the screen and checking to see if they did okay. Contacting the teachers via uh, uh, online, um, Khan Academy, uh, uh, talking to the teachers through Zoom, Zoom classrooms. Um, what about um, the kids that have to talk to their teachers because they need extra tutoring? How much are they concentrating? Uh, these kids are pretty savvy, you know. <laughs> really. Don't, don't rest on them. They're pretty savvy. They do their homework. They just go on Google and get the answer and that's it. Back to the video games. Just they wait till the last minute to do their homework. Back to the video games. I should know. Video game sales are out of control right now. Just look it up anywhere. Go go to go to go anywhere and just look up the sales of video games. 
But why are these parents buying really violent video games? I don't know for small children, but that's again a whole new freaking podcast. I'm not even gonna get into that right now. But you know, parents want these kids to get in to be entertained. They want them entertained. Why? Because they're in the way. And because some of these parents, there's that whole other percentage, that whole other percentage of parents who do work remote from home. And, and they just want to share quiet space. They want them to be quiet. Go to your room, play in your games, give me my space to do my eight hours of work. And somewhere in between, we'll catch up. They got to keep them quiet. And that's where the video games come in. And that's where we, we, we have a whole set of droids for children. A whole bunch of deadheads. Because no one is watching them that much. I mean, unless that child is sitting right across from you while you're working remote, you don't even know what's going on on, on that screen. You really don't. Because they, they, they're quick to, you know, minimize the screen. There is no way anyone can convince me that remote schooling is the ideal situation. But on the flip side, during this pandemic, sending our children out to go to school is even less inviting. Just saying. You know, many parents, I'm not saying they're dumb. I'm not I'm not judging their educational level, but a lot of them are not equipped to tutor or assist with schoolwork. A lot of them don't have the patience to help students with special needs. You know, I'm the first to say, and my kids will confirm, that getting left back would have been a total staple in our household if I were left to help them. Had I been left to help them with homework every day? No, 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 no. My children would be like like 18 years old, a freshman, really, because I, I was just not equipped to do that. Um, I taught adults, but believe it, that's, that's amazing. I, I was an instructor for adults, but to teach kids, that's a negative. Wouldn't work, wouldn't work. You know, ser- and, and seriously, there's another set of parents who are also so busy running businesses, failing businesses, trying to keep their businesses afloat. You have a lot of middle management that have extra pressure on them because they have to take the the extra workload because now a lot of their employees are not there, so they have to do extra work. Um, a lot of them are learning themselves how to balance remote work, house duties, kids, and and. And that is, that's just obvious and logical that it's a daunting task. It's just logical. It's just, you just know it's a daunting task to organize, to organize all of this. It's over, it can become quite overwhelming. You know, I'm not trying to be a hero. I don't know if I would have been able to do it. I I really don't. Um, No, I'm not even willing to test that theory. No, not at all. Um, This is, this is now right now okay our our lives have become days blended into one into one into each other okay so you know saturdays right now feel like a tuesday mondays might as well be thursdays holidays have to be thought out carefully and selflessly okay you know i want you to give it some thought I didn't go through all this, yada, 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 
for the sake of hearing my own voice. Really, because I don't really like my own voice as it is. But I'm doing this because I want to kind of... I I just want you guys to start thinking outside of this box that we've created for ourselves. You know, take the time and think about what's next. What's next, really? How, how do you think this pandemic will unfold? How, how, how do you think that, where do you think it's going? How do you feel about it? You know, at this point, fam, I am parched, okay? Um, I'm going to leave you to marinate with all of that right now. Just marinate in everything that I said. And if you forgot some of the stuff I said, rewind, rewind, go back. You can always hear it again. I love I love the fact that you guys can hear me again over and over again as much as you want. But if if you have any anything to say, any ideas about this, hit me up at any time. Y'all know how to do it. You know how to reach me. I read everything. I read absolutely everything. And as always, my fam, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to me tonight, for taking the time to um be a part of this podcast for being faithful listeners and for encouraging me with all your messages on how on continuing to do this podcast when I when I embark doing this every week it feels really good towards the end because I know that I have said a lot and I've I've been able to convey messages that normally I probably wouldn't be able to do in the past. Um, So I want to just say again, thank you. And fam, as usual, love, peace, and hair grease.
Surely things will work out.